2: Welcome to another edition of A Current Life. I'm your host, Jimmy Gould, and I'm very excited to introduce to you my very special guest and friend, Traveris Cadet. Traveris is an NFL running back, wide receiver, and kick returner for the New Orleans Saints, who was signed in 2012. He grew up in Miami, Florida, and graduated from Appalachian State with a major in criminal justice. Traveris, welcome to A Current Life. How are you doing, Magic? Thanks for having me. Well, it's uh, it's my pleasure to have you and uh, on the show. Uh, I'm very appreciative that you've made the time, uh, actually to travel from New Orleans and from Miami to come up here uh, in your busy schedule and and just having uh, gotten into your off season. The show's about life's journey and the ups and the downs that we all have to overcome to get where each of us is meant to be. So I'd like to start off with your early years, Travers, and ask you what was life like growing up as a young boy in Miami, Florida.
3: Um Miami was a you know a beautiful place. Uh you know I, I would say growing up in Miami as a young boy was kind of hard, but I would say you know when you're that age you really don't have too many responsibilities so you just live in life. Uh, I would say I was uh you know a hyper a hyper boy. I was always addicted to uh, balls, you know whether it was a football, a uh, basketball, a uh, baseball, any type of ball. And, you know, I just always wanted to play. You know, I never really wanted to sit down. I didn't want to play with toys or anything like that. I just wanted wanted balls. That's what my mama always laid the focal uh, focal points on with me growing up as a young child. But, you know, Miami has its ups and downs. You know, it's a bad part. It's a great part. You know,
2: I grew up in a hard part. So I would say it was pretty rough, you know. Was was football and and the other sports kind of an outlet for you so that you could kind of keep out of trouble and, Find something that was more constructive and positive for you as you were growing up, uh, yes sir, um, without the sport of football or any sport, you know
3: when I was young, I engaged in a lot of sports that kept me out of trouble because you know you know sitting at home and being in the streets, you know you get a you get a uh, accustomed to doing uh the wrong things and hanging with the wrong crowd, so you know uh football practice, whether it was football or any other sport I was involved in, it kind of took away the time for me being in the streets and me being away from home and, and kind of progress me to be the person I am here today
2: were there any specific obstacles one maybe in particular that you faced during your childhood um well yes sir uh, I
3: would say uh financial problems uh you know my family I always have you always have financial problems and you know uh you know growing up in you know, in the bad areas, and you know, seeing a kill, witnessing killings, and you know, you seeing the drugs, and the prostitution, that, that walk the streets in Miami, and you know, you kind of had to be a strong, have a, a strong will, not to engage in those activities. So, yeah, it was a it was a couple a couple of obstacles, I would say.
2: Well, you know, I um, for our audience, and this show goes into 187 countries. Travers uh, happens to be a client of mine. Uh, I met Traveris when he came out of college, and uh, have represented him in the NFL. And I've been uh, found your um, transition to be remarkable. Um, I've represented over 100 players, and you know I can count on 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 these two hands. You know the few people that really get it early, and understand what a privilege it is to play football in the NFL, and and how hard you got to work every day not just on the field, but off the field, because it's, there's temptations and there's things that come your way that you could easily fall into. And I've not seen that with you. I've seen a really special, spiritually grounded human being who obviously had seen both sides of the coin, so to speak, and been through a lot of ups and downs. And, and I was particularly, you know, during this time of the playoffs, and with Super Bowl around the corner, I really wanted to have a special Last year, I had Coach Dick Vermeel on, who I'd known a long time, who was a great coach and obviously a Super Bowl coach. But I wanted to have a player who really personified what I thought was the uh, type of person who understood the privilege of playing football and of the hard work that had to go into it. And and I'm curious, what's made you get it so quickly? Um, um, I'd like to take credit for it as your agent, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just say that I recognize the special quality in you. And I'm curious, in your mind, what do you think are those qualities or those things that happened to you from your mom or in your family that really gave you that special quality?
3: Uh, I would say my surroundings because, um, you know, sometimes you look at other other kids and you look at their situations that's worse than yours, and you kind of, they kind of make you uh, stop for a moment and, and not take things for granted because you always say, well, what if I was in that predicament? What if I if I had to live in you know, motels? What if I didn't have a home? What if what if I didn't have food on the table, you know, which my family provided me with? You know, what if I didn't have, you know, uh, a family a family member I could sit down and talk to when I'm going through uh, certain things? So, you know, it has taught me not to take things for granted, and you know, always take advantage of your, of your opportunities given because you never know when the opportunity is going to be given again, you know, my, you know, my life trials and tribulations have, you know, taught me a lot, you know, as a man, as a, uh, you know, as a person, a family member, a football player all in one. So, you know, I just try not to, uh, take things for granted, you know, because, you know, who, who's to say how many opportunities you're going to get in life to be successful, you know, and, you know, it's all about, you know, engaging with the right people, you know, uh, keeping your uh, your face clean and, and engaging with the right crowd and not being around somebody that's going to hold you down or somebody that's going to pick you up, somebody you can talk to and pick up as well. So I kind of learned a lot of things along the way about life in general, you know, because it's, it's more about being a person in life more than just being, you know, having a career or having a label. You know, right. it's, it's all
2: about, you know, making
3: those those right progressions in life.
2: Um, tell me a little bit about uh, about Alicia Davis, about your mother, and the influence she had on you growing up. Uh, my mom had a, a very positive influence.
3: I wouldn't say I would sit here and just say everything was positive because there were some negatives, you know. But you know, we're not we're not perfect as human beings. We make mistakes. And, you know, my mom she was a single uh, she was a single mother. My dad wasn't around. You know, my dad he's Haitian. He's he always was in Haiti. Well, he never really was around. He sent money at times but he wasn't a father figure there for me in his presence, you know. Maybe you know, my mom had to teach me how to be, you know, a man as as well as and as well as she being a woman. You know, a woman can take a uh, teach a man how to be a man. A woman could teach a woman how to be a woman because she's lived that life. She know what it she knows what it takes. So, you know, my mom did a a great job, you know. She worked numerous jobs to keep food on the table, to keep the lights on, to keep a roof over my head, you know. Um it's, it's, it's a couple of things I could sit here and say that she did bad, but I mean, you know, we all human. We're not perfect. You know, my mom, she was there for me from day one. She was supportive of me, um, in everything I did. You know, I went to the football field. She was out there, you know, by herself. You know, how many moms you can count on your hand who will go and, you know, you in the gutter, you in the ghetto. You, you know, you and Dade County, you know, in Miami, Florida, where I grew up, was very competitive, being a mother coming out there in that nature and still supporting their child. So, you know, she had a very positive impact on me.
2: Well, she was incredibly supportive of our relationship and of my representation of you, and I really appreciated that. She's been very supportive uh, of of that and of, of the transition you've made and, and, and of the work that you're doing. Uh, I'm curious... Um, did the moving around affect you a lot? And 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 also, I want to know a little bit about your uncle. And and did he serve more as a father figure for you since your father wasn't around?
3: Uh, yes, he did. See, my, my uncle, I seen him. I seen his work ethic when I was young. You know, I seen him go to work from sun up, you know, to sundown. You know, uh, the speeches he gave. You know, me and my cousins. And even though I wasn't in the household full time with him, when I went there. I did gain knowledge. You know, knowledge is power, and you know sometimes it takes a certain uh, time frame for certain things to stick to people's minds. And my uncle, I think he did a great job with, you know, guiding me and disciplining me, and not telling me what I wanted here, but telling me what I needed here. And uh, he, was, he was a great aspect. He's the guy that took me to the football field when I was five years old, and he, he a guy who introduced me to this loving sport who I have a who I have a strong a strong strong passion for. What about my,
2: your three what about your three close sisters and also your grandma Roselle, um and the relationship you had with them
3: um well my i grew up in the, uh i grew up in a household with uh, my sisters uh artavia uh roundtree and uh LaToya Roberts, those were my two sisters um, I grew up in a household with, very supportive, um, very kind-hearted. You know, kind of a lot reminds me of my mother and their support. You know, I had one sister, Toya, she played basketball. My other sister, Tay, you know, she did hair. She went to uh, she went to uh, Miami Northwestern, and uh, Toya went to uh, Miami Central, the high school I went to. So it was kind of, it was always a close, close bond. Right there, and my other sister, Rebencya Cadet. She's actually from off my father's side, but you know, we kind of met along the way, and we ended up building a great relationship. I go and visit her even now today, and it's been it's just been great. You know, I have uh, some great sisters.
2: How about your two cousins, Jabari Gilbert and Jamar Gilbert, and oh. and you know, kind of uh, your relationship with them and the meaning that that had.
3: Oh, well, that was something great, you know, 'cause I, I I didn't grow up with any brothers, you know. I had all sisters so it was kinda like, you know, my cousins and they took me up under their wing when very young. You know, they was born into athletic athletics as well as me. You know, my cousin, uh, Jabari. Um, he's older than Jamar's Jamar's uh biggest, uh biggest brother. And, um, you know, they played sports, they played basketball, they played, uh, baseball, they played football, you know. They kind of took me up under their wing and they kind of showed me, you know, the way to go. You know, I ain't you know looking up at them at how their life turned out. I learned from their mistakes, you know, because they wanted to be successful as well as I am today. And, you know, those were the guys who actually like took out the time to like show me the way of life. They always were supportive of me. I mean, everything I did, anytime I needed anything, they were there for me. They they, they, they showed me the world, you know. I love those guys from the bottom of my heart, you know. They showed me the way to go and how to live.
2: How did the death of your uh, close aunt, Cynthia Gilbert, impact your life? And, and I assume there was that relationship, you know, very special that you had with her and, and, and and that obviously had a big uh, meaning in your in your growth and development.
3: Um it was heartbreaking. You know, it was very heartbreaking. I was uh, I believe I was like maybe 7 or 8 years old when she passed away and I uh, I remember her being there with my uncle when they brought me to the uh football field. And I was just so used to her being around and her being in my grandma's house, her giving me speeches, her uh you know, showing me her love and you know giving me speeches about life and, you know, what she want me to be and how she want me to do things. And it just was, you know, a heart like a heart falling loss losing, you know, my auntie Cynthia Gilbert. You know, I just couldn't, you know, I really couldn't function, you know, for a long time because of this loss. You know, I was so used to her being at the games and, you know, cheering me on. You know, now today, even today, you know, I look back on when I first started playing and, you know, I used to look into her eyes, and I used to see her every day. And, and, you know, I got so used to her being there. And then when she was gone, I didn't really know how to take it. So I was hurt emotionally a, a whole lot. But, you know, I just know that, you know, every time I faced a hard time, you know, she popped up in my head. And I said, you know, I can't let my auntie down. I can't let my, can't let my auntie down. I got to keep her happy in heaven. You know what I'm saying? I can't I can't let one piece or uh, one part of my life dictate how my whole life will be because that's, that's, that's not something she would
2: want. You know, um, I guess this question I've asked a lot, and this show's been on the air for over a year, and we've had some very interesting guests. I always ask them, was there a particular wow moment in your life, um, something specific where you knew that you wanted to play professional football in the NFL and that whatever you, you know, because you were involved in so many sports and you had so many influences around you, and as you said, the deaths and the influences of different people and your father not being with you. What was the one moment when you knew what you wanted to do, at least at this point in your life?
3: Um, I would say, I don't know if you would say this is too early, but, you know, uh, I would say prior to age six when I went out to the park, my uncle took me out to the park, and all the positions were filled except one position. And, you know, that's the leader of the team, and it was the quarterback. And, you know, everything was ran through me. I was the general. You know, I was playing wee's. I think I was like 65 pounds or something like that. And, you know, I was running touchdowns every week and, you know, having great practices and just out, going out there just enjoying it, not thinking about no no pressure, just going out there having fun, doing something I love to do. I think from that moment, uh, going into my second year, it was something I just kind of like put football as the number one sport in my life.
2: Well, you know, I when I looked at everything when we when when we were talking about representing you and when you and I were meeting, I look back on the fact that you are really an athlete. I mean, uh, you know, I think a lot of the NFL guys that, that come in maybe they come in at a particular position, but. The uniqueness of what you do, you do so many things that I called you a, an offensive weapon. And that's how I look at it. You can play quarterback. You can play running back. You can play wide receiver. You can play kick return. You know, you're on, you're on special teams. I mean, the, the, you know, it's clear at the Saints that they can't figure out, they're trying to figure out exactly how many different places you can be because I imagine from week to week it changes. And, and I think probably when you were young, you know, you had such talent, you had speed, you had quickness. You know, you dedication, determination, and those are the things that really make uh, an athlete. And and I do think that athletes make it in this business more than just specific players who happen to get drafted and maybe made it at a certain spot because you can have the versatility. And and also, I think it also helps you avoid, to a degree, certain, you know, uh, 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 career-ending injuries. And, and I think that's particularly important for you because you know, you're going to get your hands on the ball a lot, and, and, and you're in those positions where people are coming after you. So uh, I can see you at six kind of taking charge and doing that, and, and, and I see that in how you approach the game. You approach it with total determination. I'm curious, you know, I just don't see that in everybody anymore. I think the love of the game is still there with a lot of people, but I think also a lot of people it gets missed. Yes, sir. Why do you think you have that and some don't?
3: Um, I think it's all about, you know, sitting back. Sometimes guys just, you know, go along with the flow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, uh, they're not, pre- they're not premeditative. They're, uh, distinctive. They just make, you know, decisions on the way. I believe you gotta sometimes sit back and, and look at the things you're doing wrong. And, you know, things that's hindering your career, things that's that's preventing you from being great, you know, things that's preventing you from being a role model to younger kids, younger g- generations, or the whole world itself. You know, I believe um, so we as human beings, we're not perfect. I believe we have to sit back and look at the whole picture and not just look at what we want to look at, stuff that's going to make us feel good in the heart, stuff that's going to make us you know, kind of turn away from myself. You know what I mean? Not just the likes about ourselves, but the you know the dislikes. Whatnot? I think that. The, I think when you look at the whole picture, you know, then that's when I believe you become a, a complete person, and not just a, a complete person in in a certain field, a complete person in, in every aspect of life itself. You know, I believe that's what it, it boils down to. You know, in in football and in daily life. You know, you ought to treat football. Um, is, a, is a game, you know, that's played with a whole lot of passion and, and emotion. I mean, uh, a, a game that can open up so many doors to you and your family and, you know, to society itself, you know, because of all the, you know, the positive it brings. So I believe it's all about just looking at every aspect and, you know, getting it because you're not just going to wake up one morning and get it. It takes it takes progress. you got to crawl before you walk.
2: How how strong is the is your faith, um, religious, spiritual, whatever play a role in your life uh, day to day?
3: Um, um, faith is you know it it plays a a very very strong role because without faith you can't accomplish anything. You know, first you have to believe. You know how you have you have to believe you have to believe in God to to accomplish anything. You know, uh, God is first in everything in my life and um. You know, I'm thankful for him that he given me the strength and the courage I have every day. I'm thankful that he put me through, you know, these hard times to build me up as the man that he wants me to be because he best believe that everybody is put on this earth for a purpose. You know, nobody's not on this earth just to be walking around just with their eyes closed, just living life. God has put everybody on this earth for a purpose. So I think faith plays a very, very strong approach in today's life because without faith you can't accomplish anything i don't care if it's tying your shoe you don't believe you can tie your shoe you won't be able to tie it
2: well it's probably the biggest quality that i've seen in you that i think really pulled us together because i think we both share that view as the most important thing in our lives and i I do think that 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 you know uh, it, it there you're handed Pretty much what you can handle, and doesn't always seem like it. I mean, we all go through difficult times. Everybody in America and around the world right now are going through tough economic times and various different things. And you know, uh, I I think that you got to believe in yourself, but more importantly, you got to believe in a higher power. You got to believe in God, and you got to believe in something that that gives you your strength inside. So that whatever happens on the outside, you know, you have the chance to have the determination and the will to get through it. And I think you show that every day. I know in our relationship, representing you and and in getting to know you, I see that in you. And I think the people in New Orleans and the people that you've come in contact with see that in you. It's a very special quality, and I'm grateful to be a part of it. And I wanted to compliment you on that.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that, Magic. I'm blessed to be around the, the greatest
2: agent in the world, the Magic Man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. The, uh, let me go back and for our listeners, just give them a little bit of history about your high school and college kind of football career. I mean, you prepped at Miami Central and Florida High School where you played quarterback. You threw for 1,400 yards for 13 touchdowns and rushed for more than 450 yards with two touchdowns as a senior. You were first team all Dade County honors by the Miami Herald. Uh, kind of, kind of take the listeners down memory lane, if you would, and, and share one or two of those high school memories with us and kind of what prepared you. You know, I have a 16-year-old right now that's playing basketball as a junior, and I know you're going to see him play tonight, and I know that these are the times that you look back on your life, and they prepare you for the next step. What, as you look back, are those things that, that that kind of stick out for you, one or two of those memories?
3: Um. I would say the first memory is, um, you know, I was kind of trying to find my way. You know, I kind of didn't know, you know. I mean, you always second guess. You know, you always second guess. That's what pushes you in life. And, you know, when you're in high school, you're young. You know, you got things going through your head. You know what you want to be, and you're afraid what you don't want to be, you know, so you kind of like, you kind of just grinding, trying to make a way, trying to find that best possible situation to put yourself in, you know, you moving around, you know, you got coaches telling you this, other coaches telling you this, you got your teammates telling you this, you're thinking one way, you kind of, you basically just kind of try to find your way, and you kind of like just working hard, just trying to get to where you're comfortable, to a a spot you want to be, you know, which is the man, If you everybody in this life, they should have a have a uh, desire to be the best at whatever they do. And, you know, I would say my, uh, my second memory is uh, finally getting on the front page, finally uh, not trying to be seen but being noticed, you know, finally getting mm-hmm. that game, breaking game to where everybody know who you are and you're helping your teammates, you're representing your family. And I was here against Miami Killian um, my junior season where I had my uh, – my uh, first outbreaking game as a quarterback. Um, I, I believe I threw for over 180 some yards. I ran for over 100 some yards. Had I combined for like three scores, and I kind of like put my team in uh, a great situation. We beat the defending uh, state champs that year, and that was the kind of like the game that you know pushed me towards you know getting scholarships, getting looked at, you know, getting getting interest from the scouts, you know, coming in from colleges. So. I would say that really you know kind of um you know put me up on the board and you know my teammates you know I'm all thankful for them you know cuz we worked together we worked together together as a unit
2: Well you know if you if you look at uh the next phase which is graduating from high school how many colleges recruited you Um it was a lot I mean I had uh offers from um
3: University of Florida South Florida um, uh, Miami came on a little late. They wanted me as an athlete, Tennessee, um, Toledo, I committed to uh University of Minnesota, um University of Buffalo, uh, Michigan State, um,
2: uh
3: Rutgers, um,
2: Syracuse. what took you what took you to Toledo eventually and then ultimately the Appalachian State?
3: Well, actually, you know, Toledo was a team a school I never really thought about going to. You know, it was uh, my office coordinator in the high school, Derek Heidelberg. His office officer coordinator, when he was in college, John Shannon was at Toledo at the time, and he thought maybe it would be a great fit, you know, getting a package deal with me and my running back, Gordon Warner, and another one of my friends, my close friends I played ball with when I was young, Kenneth Spigner. He was at Jackson, and, you know, I was committed to Minnesota, and they both were committed to uh, Florida State, and we ended up, just jumping out together. It was kinda of like a no brainer deal. We was kinda of going for you know, for the wrong things and not what was best best suited for our career. I could say I could tell you one thing, when I got on the plane to go to Toledo, 'cause I didn't even commit to Toledo. I just signed on Saturday, sign I was kinda of confused and had a lot of people in my head and I just kinda of felt like I made the wrong decision. And uh I ended up going to, you know, uh Pearl River, you know, because, uh, you know, Toledo would not release me. They going to Pearl River. Um and up plant a year and a half there. I really didn't have too much progress there. And thank God that, you know, Jerry Moore, Coach Moore, you know, who I look up as a father figure to this day, I love him so much. He gave me opportunity to come to Appalachian State and play
2: in 2009. Well, just for our listeners, you finished your career at Appalachian State Two-time All-South All-Southern Conference <clears throat> selection as running back and return specialist. You finished your career with just about 4,000 all-purpose yards, including uh, 1,700 rushing yards on 336 carries, and close to 1,400 kickoff return yards. You also earned second-team All-Southern Conference accolades as a senior after leading the team in rushing yards, kickoff return yards, punt return yards, and all-purpose yards, and along with all that, you majored in criminal justice. It sounds like you had a, an exceptional career at Appalachia State, and certainly that Jerry Moore played a major role for you, and certainly, uh, along with others uh, such as Coach Kent and some of the other people that, that, that you were a part of, really had an impact and, and prepared you to go on to the next phase of your life. Uh, uh, it's remarkable what you achieved at Appalachia State.
3: Uh, yes sir it was a blessing. I mean it's like the Lord put me in the right place at the right time with the right people. But
2: did you ever have you since you left there? I assume you've been back there to watch a game? Have you kept in touch with your old teammates and with with your coaches and and all of that? Uh, Yes, sir. Actually, I went back to a game when they played in Illinois State
3: this year. It was kind of a sour loss, but that was my first time being back. But I still talk to my teammates, and I still uh, follow them. I'm uh, I'm planning on going back to work out probably like maybe like a week and a half up there to kind of like be in the environment again, you know, show my support. And I'll always go back because, you know, without Appalachian State, I wouldn't be right here where I am right now.
2: Well, I know you got two friends that uh, I'm going to be working with. Uh, 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 Demetrius McCray, who's the cornerback, who's been invited to the Combine and is in this weekend's NFL PA game, and also Stephen Miller. And uh, clearly, schools like Al- Appalachian State are starting to get recognized by the NFL as really being those types of schools that produce talent athlete- athletes uh, that are going to play in the league for a long time.
3: Uh, yes, sir. Um, you know,
2: one thing about it at Appalachian State,
3: we get after it, we work hard. You know, one thing uh, Coach Moore always put emphasis on was well, what you want to be remembered for. You know, you know, well, are you going to take advantage of these opportunities that's given to you? You know, you never know when it's going to be your last play. You know, you have your brothers. You, know, you don't look is a, a man next to you on your left and on your right can depend on you to you know to do your job as well as you depend on them to do their job. And you know we always worked hard. You know we worked hard. We went hard. We had fun. You know we was for each other. We was brothers and all. We was a unit. We wasn't one pencil. We was a hundred. You could take one pencil and break it, but you can't take a hundred pencils and break it because that's unity. You know that's unity. That's what every every team, every family needs in this life. And you know that's what we uh, found to be at, uh, at uh, Appalachian State. You know we didn't win. We fell short. You know every year in the playoffs we won. Uh, the conference, we had a lot of accomplishments, you know, and, you know, with uh, AB in Michigan, before I get here, you know, the tradition that Appalachian State has built, you know, before I even got there, I didn't know it was that strong until I got there. It's a very, very strong tradition ran by a great man, a great father figure um, to me, Jerry Moore.
2: Well, um, clearly, uh, if I was putting a team together, I said this to my client and dear friend, Frosty Rucker, along with him, you would be at the head of the list with them. And uh, I just want to say it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, it's time for us to take a short break. This is Jimmy Gould with my special guest, Traveris Cadet from the New Orleans Saints. You're listening to A Current Life, brought to you by Smartwater and Ads Baseball Networks. Please stay tuned.
0: The experts call toll free right now 1 866 472 5787 and ask our all star team to answer your questions. That's 1 866 472 5787. Thank you for calling VoiceAmerica.com.
1: listening to A Current Life with Jimmy Gould. If you have a question or comment for Jimmy or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd like to send an email, the address is at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Welcome back to A Current Life and to my special guest, Traveris Cadet, number 39, and offensive weapon for the New Orleans Saints of the National Football League. Traveris, I would like you to tell our listeners what your road to the NFL has been like and kind of a couple of the things along the way that that were special to you, number one, critical to you, number two, and and, and probably even more importantly, you know, lessons that you've learned along the way because you've certainly gotten it and your transition has been stellar, and I applaud you on that.
3: Um, Well... I would say it's my road to the NFL was kind of bumpy. You know, I wouldn't say it was very smooth at all. Cause you know, I, I go back to uh, leaving high school, you know, when I had all these offers and everything and I had this vision of where I wanted to be, you know, in years to come. And you know, I always thought, you know, I had, you know, I had the big head leaving high school. I was humbly big headed, you know, I really didn't listen to anybody as much, but. I learned and I said to myself that, you know, I want to be in the NFL in three years. You know, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to, uh, whatever school I go to. I'm going to go to Tennessee. I'm going to go to, you know, Toledo or wherever I'm, you know, God was going to place me. I was I was going to be in the NFL in three years. Literally, I know I had a lot to learn. You know, I had a lot to learn. I had a lot, a lot of developing to do as a, as a person and a player itself on the field. And, uh, you know, the road got kind of bumpy, I would say. As soon as I got on a flight to go to Ohio, you know, uh, when I made the decision to go to Toledo in February, I left to go to Ohio in that May, and uh, you know, I just really didn't know what I was getting myself into. You know, I just knew I was gonna work hard, but you know, I, I wouldn't, I would have never predicted the bumps in the road when I left home. You know, it's kind of like I was on my own. You know, I was, I was away from home. I didn't have my mother. I didn't have my, my you know, my my grandmother. Roselle McGee who was was great to me, but the disciplinary person in my life. I didn't have you know my family members. It was all it was all on me, you know, paying bills and you know, being responsible, you know, when to get up, when to when to when to eat, when not to eat, you know, how to prepare myself, you know, far, far away from home. You know, I was seventeen, eighteen years old and you know, I ended up red shirting because, you know, you know, I wasn't, you know, developed developed quite yet at the uh, quarterback position you know I was an athlete I was open to plan open to uh, playing anything possibly to help the team but you know I took the red shirt and as being you know well I'm I know I'm better than the, the guy you got in front of me literally I know I had a lot of development to do it, it, it kind of helped me you know and I believe it helped me you know uh on the road to the to the NFL you know and uh and I think about it, you know, it's, it's a lot of things I would have did different. But, you know, I wouldn't have changed the, the the hurt and the harm that I did to myself, you know, along the way because I believe it pushed me to be the player I am today, to be the man I am, and hopefully the father and the family member in the future.
2: Well, you, you know, I, um, I always say no, gr- no regrets because everything has a meaning, a purpose to it, um, good or bad. In fact, um, I think adversity you know, teaches us a lot, makes us stronger, if, of course, it doesn't kill you along the way. And uh, I think the, the thing that I've enjoyed watching has been that determination that you showed even on draft day. I mean, on draft day, you know, you were not drafted. Uh, you were a high-priority free agent. And yet almost every team in the country wanted you. You know, you visited teams. And they probably just didn't know exactly what to do with your talent. Um, it's not an exact science. They make a lot of mistakes. Uh, they've missed on not just on you but on several players that, that, that come to mind, Aaron Foster and, and uh, Victor Cruz and yourself. And, you know, there's, there's tons and tons of players that just, just go underneath the radar. And, and, you know, it starts with not being invited to combine. It starts with maybe having a bad pro day. You know, who knows what it is? Because I don't think it's the measurables that really matter as much as some of them think it matters. I mean, obviously there are, there are speed issues and things like that. But, you know, I remember thinking back on the days when I represented Peter Warwick and if you just lined them up and he ran a straight line of 40 yards, I mean, he wouldn't run as fast as a lot of guys who aren't playing in the league. But you couldn't mm-hmm. catch him on the field and you can't get you on the field. I mean, the, the quickness and the, the agility and the and the uh, the volume of, of of what I call skill sets and understanding that you bring to the table, that Peter brought to the table, that guys like yourself bring to the table, you can't measure that. And I think that's where the league has not figured that out. That some of the some of the scouts have, obviously the scouts at the Saints did, uh, and in some other teams. But um, I do feel that that moment when we were together when you were not drafted you might want to tell our listeners all the different thoughts and feelings that went through you when you and i were left in the room trying to figure out okay where do we go from here and and how do we get this done because there was no way i was walking out of that room without you being on an nfl team and you knew that
3: Um yes sir you know i, I knew i was in you know i knew i was in good hands I had the best agent in the world you know God, you know, God does things for reasons. But, you know, at the time, you know, I was kind of broken a little bit internally, you know, because I was like, well, maybe I can accept this, me not being drafted if I didn't work hard, if I wasn't dedicated, if I didn't love the game. You know, I was somebody that just liked the game and just tolerated it. But I felt like I was a, a, a guy that, you know, that loved the game and wanted to be the best, you know, at the present time. So, you know, I never, you know, I questioned it. I questioned it, you know. I seen the sadness, you know, in my mom and my sister's face when I went in there and then I told them the news and you know, I you know, I just kept my composure, you know, stayed humble because you know what? I've been through worse. You know, I've been through worse and you know, everybody they have their own their own role. You know, would I predict it to not be drafted? No, I wouldn't have. You know, because I feel like I'm one of the top in the nation, and not the best. Um so you know I was heartbroken. I, you know, it, it kinda took me back. I went to thinking about You know, when I first started playing football, you know, to, you know, to my last snap in in college, you know, from my my first day of preparation, you know what I'm saying, to the last day, you know what I'm saying, which was draft day, going into the draft, you know, and I was kind of, you know, broken, but I knew that, you know, With all being said, God seen my hard work. He seen my dedication. He seen me in the middle of the night. He seen me, you know, grinding and being dedicated and being not also just being a grinder on the field, being a good person in life. So, you know, I went through a lot, but you know, at the end of the day, I thought, you know, everything would be okay.
2: Well, I, um, can assure you that this is, this was, uh, that was a moment in time when um, you know, my heart jumped and, and and I mean fell and then kind of you know was like uh, this isn't fair and this is they missed it and everything else and you know I do believe that that there's uh, the, the, just happens in strange ways things just work itself out I mean you know just we talked a lot about the Miami Dolphins we talked a lot about the Cleveland Browns we talked about all of whom by the way called after the draft. Mm-hmm. And we had already made the decision to go to the New Orleans Saints because clearly they reached out and saw something special. And it's obviously worked out unbelievably. I mean, you were had an unbelievable, you led all uh, players in the uh, preseason last year in camp uh, in the NFL and then went on and performed and were ranked fourth in the NFC and, and, and special teams in, in uh, kick returns. I mean, you came out of nowhere in a lot of people's eyes, not in my eyes, because I always felt that you were special. And and I believe that your hard work and your ethic and, and your character and all the things that I measure a person by was there. So it was just a question of being able to get others to understand that. And I guess I would ask you what advice you have for other high school players and college players who are on that road, that journey, because, you know, it's an elite group. You have 32 teams, and, you know, I guess if you say 50 players per team or 53, I mean, it's 1,500, 1,600 players. Uh, if you multiply all the schools and all the football players all the people that try out, there's thousands, tens of thousands of players that are sitting at home, hopefully listening to, to your story and getting some hope from it. And what would you say is the number one thing you can offer them in a way of encouragement to stay with their dream?
3: Um, I would say, just like Mike Kent told me at App State, you know, control what you can control. Don't worry about what decisions they make or don't predict. Don't sit down and predict around. Even if they tell you it's around you're, going, you're supposed to go, don't predict around. Just, you know, just go with the flow. You know, God will place you where you need to be. You know, just work hard. Control what you can control. Be dedicated. You know, be the best you can be. You know be great. Don't be. The, don't don't just want to be in the NFL. Just want to be the the greatest ever play in the NFL. And you know I would say, don't 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 sit back and play with numbers because you know when you sit back and play with numbers and you make these predictions, you get heartbroken. I mean it doesn't. I mean it doesn't feel well at the end of the day. So I would say it doesn't matter how you get there. It doesn't matter how you get there. Think about this. It's sixteen hundred people in the NFL. Maybe more, maybe seventeen hundred. I know it's around that number, sixteen hundred people. There's billions of people in this world. Billions of people. It's kind of like if you got a billion dollars in your pocket and you got sixteen hundred dollars in your pocket, it's a big difference. What yeah. I'm trying to say is, there's only a handful of people that's picked and that's chosen to play in the NFL. So it's a, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. Be grateful. It doesn't matter how you get there. It doesn't matter how to get how you get there. It's about about what you do.
2: When you get there, well you couldn't have said it more more, more perfectly because too many people don 't recognize that, especially once they get in, they think they're entitled to too many things i mean look i I represent a lot of them, and i've been fortunate to have some very special people i don 't call them football players, people that I represent who happen to play football and and i uh, I have great respect for it because it takes a lot out of you physically and emotionally and mentally and the ups and downs. I remember going right into the final week of the cutdowns on the Saints and, and my assuring you that there was just no way in the world they would let you go because if there was any way that you were not going to be on that roster, you were going to be on somebody's roster. I was going to make sure of it and and you deserved it and you worked hard. You were disciplined and, and you were dedicated and you worked hard and I always said first one in, last one to leave and you took me up on that and I, I really think it's special how you took that advice and how we've developed that kind of relationship but more even more importantly how you, how hard you worked at it. I, I'm curious with all that said you get on a team and there you got one of the great quarterbacks who probably was also told he was maybe you know not big enough to play in the NFL and he's turned out to be one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever played the game and also a great mentor for you and also a great friend of yours Drew Brees tell me what your relationship with Drew's is like.
3: Uh, me and Drew, have, uh has a great relationship. I mean, watching Drew Drew's approach every day, you know, sit there and tell you and define him as a player and as a person. You know, he's a great person, he's an easygoing person. I mean he expects things to be done, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, everybody have to has their job to do, you know, and Drew's a he's a general you know he's he's constantly always trying to help he's constantly telling you what he think about you know a, a certain play what you should do or what type of what area um you should be in or what approach you should take you know, he's a great person, you know. Sometimes I just sit back and I just look at him, I just like, man, no wonder you're great. You know, It's just he's not a guy that just, you know, just because he's Drew Brees. And, you know, I'm just going to sit back. I know I'm the man. You know, he works every day. Every day he comes to work with the, with the game face on, one to get better, one to make his teammates better. You know, and it's just, you know, it's a blessing because, you know, how many guys, you know, some guys come in this league and – you know, they're never blessed to play with a great quarterback like Drew Brees. How many guys you can count on your finger? So that, can say, well, they was a great player, but they didn't have a great quarterback. They didn't have a great leader. You know, so that's, it's, it's just
2: a blessing, and it's great having a, a great quarterback to play with like Drew Brees. Well, it's great to see your relationship with him, and I know I've sent him a note thanking him because I think he, you guys have developed a special relationship, and some of the other guys there, whether it's Darren Sproles or Chris Ivory or – just so many of them on the team that, <clears throat> you know, you, you have a real team and a real chemistry on that team. And I think it does start with the general. It does start with the quarterback. Uh, obviously, the coach has a lot to do with it. And you guys went through a difficult time this year. But, you know, I think that, that you have such great talent on the team and, and you've added a, a new dimension to it. Uh, does, a, does, a, uh, does the pressure from the press – and kind of life off the field get to you ever? I mean, do you get distracted by it? How do you deal with that? Because I would think that that is a constant thing that goes on with someone of your stature.
3: Um, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't just sit
2: here and say that press is,
3: is is not, you know, it doesn't get into your head sometimes or it doesn't distract you. It's just about how you handle it and how you put it off to the side and you and you lay your priorities in the right in the right line and so, see you know the press is the press the press is going to be who they're going to be you know they're going to make up things you know they're going to say certain things but you have to just keep walk on that thin line and know what your priorities are what know what you are here for know what got you here you know and you know and all the, uh, distractions, you know, I mean, distractions are part of life. And anything you engage in, whether it's working at Burger King or working at a gas station, you're gonna have some type of distractions. Whether family distractions or daily life, you know, distractions. You gotta learn how to put up with it because you don't walk. A straight line. I mean, the line gonna go crooked sometimes to where you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta break move or break dance to maneuver to keep going on that straight line. You know, that's just life in journey. Life is built with trials and tribulations, so I believe in anything
2: you do, there are going to be distractions, but you have to work your way around it. Um, you, uh, I guess I'll ask this question, not from a self-serving standpoint, but I've been curious about it. You nicknamed me, your agent, as Magic. You want to Give our listeners some insight why you refer to me as magic.
3: The magic man. He always make things happen. Stuff that you think impossible, you know, he will make happen. He'll make the calls. He'll 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 talk up for you. He'll go to bat for you. You know, and he'll keep it. he'll, he'll keep it honest and he'll keep it one hundred. You know, about you know about certain things or certain questions or even a family issue or you know a sports issue or something that's doing dealing with your career or dealing with uh your body concerns, he's going to be strictly honest with you and not and tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And, you know, he's always constantly making things happen. You know, that's why I'm just so happy that, you know, God put me with a great man, the magic man, Jimmy Goo.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, I've learned a lot from you, too. I've learned to have faith in people again, especially in this world and uh, in this particular business. It's a tough business. And, uh, it's one that's built on trust and it's not always there and it's very much there between you and me and, and like it is with Frosty and like it is with, you know, JR and some of the other guys that, that, that I've represented and, 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 you know, Julian and some of the guys, Julian Posey. But, you know, in particular, I think what's been great is that we've developed this great friendship where we can talk about anything and, you know, you don't judge me and I don't judge you. We just talk straight English. And I think that's, part of this road from high school or even from young where so many people get involved in your life as you excel and they want to be a you know as you get in the spotlight they want to be a part of all of the glory that you're going through and then bam something goes wrong and all of a sudden they all disappear I've always believed that you know you don't take a person at their best you take them at their at their worst and you got to be there at their worst because it's easy to be there at their best and You've seen me at my best, and you've also seen me when I've been down, and I've seen you that way, and, and I think that that is what makes a real relationship. Uh, do you have any feelings about that? Because I'm sure you're dealing with that on a team where players fail, players succeed. Some players go you know go on, on injury reserve. Some players get t- taken off the active roster, and, and yet it seems that, that the ones that stick and the ones that make a difference are the ones that, you know, or just real with each other and help each other and encourage each other.
3: Oh yes, sir. You know, it's going to be downs. It's going to be downs. It's, it's, it's not. It's, in life is not about. You know how many times you get knocked down. It's about how many times you can get back up after being knocked down. Because you're going to constantly get knocked down. You know, like life is competitive in itself. You know, we have competitive competitiveness. You know, in our bloodline, you know everybody. I don't care what you do. You have some type of competitive drive in you, and you know, you know. Sometimes, you know, you're gonna meet people that's there just for your accomplishments, or just there for, for you when there's gold around. Not in the people that leave. You know, when you know when when it, when the, when the room get dark and there's, there is no loud. Or like at the end of the tunnel, and you know you're gonna have some people that's gonna be with you th- through thick and thin. You know who, who's gonna stick with you when you're you're up, and some people that's gonna stick with you when you're down. Just you gotta pick, you know, your posse. You know what I'm saying? And pick and pick them well because you know at the end of the day, you can never say in this world I don't need anybody. I don't need you. I don't need that. You don't never know when you're gonna need somebody. You know, it's always good to have you know a healthy person you know, around you. That's somebody that will stick with you through thick and thin.
2: Let me ask you um, a couple more questions. We have about five minutes left in the program. Um, I want to know the effect that the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary had on you. I know you and I have talked about it. I'd like to understand the impact that it had on you.
3: It had a lot of impact on me. You know, When I first heard about it, it was surprising because, you know, there were kids, mostly kids shot and killed. You know, When I thought about it, I said, what would make – what?" Went through this guy's head to make him do that. It's more than just him just getting up in the morning, killing his mother, going to the school, shooting the uh, kids, shooting the teachers. You know, it's something that had to make him do that. Like it, it's a, it's a, it's a. You don't just wake up one morning and say, Hey, I'm going to kill everybody. You know, it's something that had to, you know, persuade him to do that. What did it? Was it something that happened happened in his early life at the school, or did his mother? Have anything to do with it? Did his mother say anything to him that he, uh, that he didn't like? But I believe, you know, looking at that, it is you know we need to change the school systems. Instead of as much as time as we spend learning about science and math, we need to put on everyday life. You know what? Because you can't control what, what runs through your mind, but you can control your actions. Actions training kids while they're young, so when they get when, when the kids get that age, they don't make that same mistake because you know what. You know, life in America, you're free to do whatever you want to do. You want to serve the consequences, but it just goes to, you know, making the right decision. And I think what, uh, American can do is make kids learn as much as they learn about math and science. Learn about Rome. Right, you know, killing somebody—the consequences. You know why you shouldn't do it. Why you should love people. You know why why you should come together. Why you shouldn't hate people. Why you should try to you know solve problems instead of letting problems escalate to to the extreme. You know that's and that's what I took from it. I took from I said I am not gonna be just so harsh. You know because you know this was a a, a tragedy, a bad tragedy. And I'm sorry for the families that you know had to go through the things they that they went through. With their, uh, you know, their daughters and their sons being killed, you know, uh, my heart goes out to them. You know, um, it was because I know if that was my child, you know, I would be heartbroken as well. But you know, I just want to get down to the point. to, Hey, let's learn from this. Let's change the system. Let's change the way we do things. Let's 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 start young, and then work their way up. Way up. So just accidents. So these accidents don't happen.
2: I think I think you're so right. And deal with the human spirit. That's really the key. Uh, with two minutes left, I want to ask a question I've asked of every one of our guests, uh, and that is, as you look back on your journey and thank you for sharing it with us, uh, what do you see as the greater purpose or the meaning of life?
3: Um, I would say the, uh, the person and the meaning of life would be progression. you know it's all about you know waking up every day trying to be the best at whatever you do, you know trying to be a, a greater father or a great a greater brother, a greater nephew um a better person you know to your friends and to your family, being the best at your career, whatever you have a passion for, I think it's all about just crawling before you before you walk and, and making those stages to where when you were sorry in one field and then you became great you know I think it's just more about progression or being that perfect person or close to that perfect person God wants you to be.
2: Well, I'll tell you, um, our time's up. Uh, uh, I want to thank our very special guest and my dear friend, Traveris Cadet, for sharing his journey with us. Uh, we're very appreciative, Travers, that you are able to join us today. Uh, I also would like to say there's no question in my mind that you will be an NFL Man of the Year uh, based on the incredible insight and, and enlightenment that you already have at a young age and what you bring to this sport. Uh, they should be very, uh, grateful to you because you're the kind of, you're their future. And it's a, it is indeed a, an honor to be able to, to, to represent you and to have developed the kind of closeness that we have with each other. I want to thank our listeners for tuning into a current life on the Voice of America variety channel. This is your host, Jimmy Gould, signing off and please join us next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And until next time, I wish each and every one of you a journey filled with hope inspiration, and success, and Travers to you, my friend, from Magic. Much love, great success, stay healthy, and keep progressing. Much love. Thanks for having me, Magic. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Thanks again for joining us for A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please tune in to another great program with your host, Jimmy Gould, next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time. We'll see you next week.